Hello and welcome to the Arise and Build podcast. This is Jody Grace and we're here to inspire, educate, and activate believers in Missouri to steward and protect freedom in every area of life, especially here in the heart of America. We're going to be talking about what's happening right here in our culture, how it connects to scripture, and what we can do to bring our conservative Christian values back into the public square. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead, hit the subscribe button so you can get our updates and join us as we work together, just like Nehemiah and the Israelites did, to arise and build a wall around the great state of Missouri. Hey everyone, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It has been a while and I have really missed uh, being here. For those of you who were following along from the beginning, uh, you know that it's been a few weeks since we've released an episode and I want to share with you uh, a little bit of the reason why, because it really does relate actually Uh, really well to the overall topic of the podcast. So you should know that um, I've got four sons. Doug and I live in Jefferson City and we've got four sons, the youngest of which is 12. We adopted him when he was eight months old and um, he is now 12. He um, is, if he was in school, he would uh, be in the fifth grade and We knew um, early on in his young life that he wasn't hitting milestones like he should. In fact, when he came to us at eight months old, he wasn't where he should have been with his milestones. And um, so we knew that uh, he just had some challenges. And as we've gone through the years, he has been in public school most of the time. He... um, started public school in Nixa when we lived there in kindergarten. And then when we moved here to Jefferson City, of course, he stayed in public school. And he stayed in public school until the end of his third grade year. Now, um, the issue with our education system is very real and very relevant to me, uh, especially for this reason. Our our school, um, at that time, a couple of years ago, he, Grant was just finishing the third grade. Um, the next one, the next oldest one I had was just finishing eighth grade. And, um, the school had adopted a policy, a bathroom policy where the kids, the way the policy was written, the kids could use whichever bathrooms they wanted. And, Um, I was, as you would expect, very much opposed to that policy and the whole community, once they found out there was a lot of community, um, emotions there, lots of emotions expressed throughout the community. There ended up being a board meeting where the community was invited. Um, the school invited their attorney in to, um, talk to the community about the policy And they opened up the floor uh, during the board meeting for those who wanted to comment. You could sign up to speak. And I did go to that board meeting. I did not speak, but I was there listening and um, to all of the things. There were probably a couple of hundred parents and grandparents, community members at the board meeting. And um, 
most all of the community members who chose to speak on the topic were very much against the policy. And it was very clear that the majority of the people who were in attendance at the meeting opposed the policy. And um, during the meeting, what was most disturbing to me is that every staff member from the school who chose to speak, including the middle school counselor, spoke very much in favor of the policy. And, you know, we are a small school district. It's just a 3A district outside of Jefferson City and um, really a very well-known district. They have wonderful athletic programs, a lot of success on their athletic teams. And um, I was just really shocked that the teachers, the staff members who were the faculty who were speaking out at the meeting, every single one of them was very much in support of the policy and especially one counselor in particular. That counselor in particular, I had been told um, the previous year that she truly believed that if the kids wanted to change their gender identity, that the that the school should go along with whatever the child wanted. Now that sentiment um, I see very evident in the education hearings that I've sat in um, at the Capitol. So I I do see and I understand that the that the counseling industry as a whole is very much in favor of you know supporting and affirming uh, the LGD the gender and identity and all of that business. And so at this time, when Grant was finishing up third grade, I was actually seeing it play out in our local school district. And I felt very uncomfortable about that. Grant, um, especially Grant, it does have some challenges. And uh, one of his challenges is um, just having discernment. And um, he is typically a follower, not a leader. And, (coughs) excuse me, I felt very uncomfortable about him being, continuing to be in that school, in that public school environment. He was also struggling with some academics at that time. And um, he's one of the kids academically that just falls through the cracks at the public school. Um, Like I said, we have known for several years that he has some challenges. So several years ago, six years ago. In fact, he was six years old when we had our first private educational psych evaluation done. And at that time, when he was six, they um, gave us a report that had a few diagnoses on it. But one of them was um, an IQ test. And his IQ is um, in the very low average range. It's, um, I'm not sure that's actually an accurate uh, score because what I think we're actually dealing with is a language uh, disorder, uh, receptive and expressive language disorder. And I think the language disorder is having an effect on that IQ score. But nonetheless, the IQ score at that time was, did show in the, in the low 80s. And when you are in a public school system, you don't qualify for special education services unless your actual 
uh, your achievement score or your actual the actual production, what you're actually doing, is 20, I think it's 20 or 21 points below your IQ. So if his IQ, for instance, let's say it was 83, he would not qualify for special services until his actual school scores, his actual grades were down in the low 60s, like even maybe 60. And by the time you get to 60%, a score, a grade of 60, that's failing. And of course, in the classroom, the teachers didn't want him to fail and I didn't want him to fail. Nobody wants a kid to fail. Um, so you provide a lot of support in the classroom. And that means that his grades um, actually look more average. Well, with those grades, he doesn't qualify for special services. The truth is he really does need one-on-one, -on -one, more one-on-one -on -one type services um, academically. And unfortunately, there is a group of kids that the special education system, um, it just doesn't serve them. And it's a, it's just heartbreaking. The teachers all know what the administration all knows it, but there just isn't anything that, that they can do about it. Those are the rules. And um, at this particular school, even though I knew that he was struggling and, um, and everybody knew that he was struggling, everybody knew what his achievement was, um, they just refused even to evaluate him for special, special education services. So we were struggling academically. And then when this thing with the whole bathroom policy happened, I just said, you know, that's enough. I think that um, it's time for us to move on from here. So at that time, we put him in a small private school. And that private school has actually, it was wonderful. Um, it was wonderful. He started there in the fourth grade. Um, and he had a wonderful year. The class sizes were smaller. And um, it was just a great transition. It was a great fit for us at that time. And, but then this year in the fifth grade, um, that private school, that's the transition for that school between the elementary grades and basically the junior high or middle school grades. And um, the coursework just was so difficult for him that we were literally doing homework every evening, all evening until bedtime. And um, it was just too much. So we made the decision a month or so ago after the first quarter of this academic school year that um, we just really needed to homeschool. And honestly, um, it is, I believe, what he needs. And it is also the most challenging thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, I am an educator. I am a teacher. I have homeschooled in the past. We homeschooled our three older kids um, for several years when they were, um, it, actually when they were about this age in especially those elementary school years. Um, but this, this situation is different. We're dealing um, with more educational challenges. We're dealing with emotional challenges um, that relate to adoption and um, it's just, it is really challenging. My husband works, uh, thankfully he works um, from home and uh, so he's able to help. 
But, um, you know, I just want for you to know that this education issue that we're having across the country, and especially in Missouri, um, it is very near and dear to my heart. It is affecting us personally. I would love for Grant to be able to go back to school. He would be happier at school, I believe. But it just, the public school is not an environment that I feel like um, he would be safe in that um, would support our family values, that is aligned with our uh, beliefs. And I believe that even more so today, um, this week than last week or a few weeks ago. The last time I was here, I told you about a bill, HB 447, that passed in 23, and they're changing the name of the high school health credit from health to um, health and family health. And um, I did Sunshine request the documents from the work group that was created in that legislation. And so I have received some of that information um, from one of our legislators, Representative Bishop Davidson, was wonderful to send that information to me pretty quickly. And um, so I'm thankful for his willingness to do that. And uh, what I've learned, though, is that indeed... um, This, I believe, is going to be a problem. They are bringing in um, a model called WISC from the CDC. It may have already been there. I don't know. But definitely this is an open door to the WISC model. The WISC model is whole school, whole child, whole community. Um, It is born out of the CDC. And it's this notion that um, the schools need to provide everything. It needs to be a whole child. They're going to educate They say uh, the goal is to address the whole child, not just the academics, but also their physical health, their mental health, uh, their family health, their everything. And um, the WISC model is very much supported by an organization called CASEL, which um, the abbreviation for that is C-A-S-E-L. And so you can tell just by the letters in the name that that organization is a big proponent of social emotional learning, SEL. And um, that's very much um, integrated into this WISC model and from the CDC. And that's being pulled into our health curriculum. Really, at this is specifically for um, their developing learning standards in the high school. But um, this is going to address everything. It's going to be, it's going to eventually be inclusive. Um, They're working it into the standards everywhere. So, you know, the goals of this, um, this ideology really is to change behaviors of our children, um, to change attitudes, behaviors, beliefs about um, sexual health, about gender identity, about, um, all of it, all of it, because they are affirming to all of these different lifestyles and they are talking about reproductive health. And when you see reproductive health come up in standards, um, you can just know that, you know, most of, uh, maybe not most, but the left, those progressives and those living on the left Um, include things like abortion in reproductive health. That's what Planned Parenthood, that's what they, you know, their slogan, their, their, um, 
they want for you to think that they're all about that it's the health of the mother and um, that that's their focus and and this reproductive choices and and all of these things so while um, you know you look at the standards and it doesn't specifically say they're very broad and very general doesn't specifically say um, abortion, that they're supporting those things. In fact, uh, part of our standards here in Missouri, I'm very thankful that there are um, standards included that they're supposed to be promoting abstinence. And um, so I'm thankful for that. But when you open the door to the CDC and um, this WISC model and organizations like CASEL and those those types of things, and it's very clear that um, that a very diverse that it's going to be um, taught with a very diverse group of in mind. Of course, um, those just that all just does not align with my family's values. And um, you know, if the public schools would stick to teaching the basics, if we could actually produce children who were reading well, writing well who had, um, whose test scores <laughs> were getting better and not worse. Uh, but, you know, across the board in the state of Missouri, achievement scores are going down. They're not going up. Um, and we've got schools who are struggling to teach reading and writing and arithmetic. In fact, I can just tell you, I've got kids who have graduated out of this public school system and their writing skills, as far as I'm concerned, are just atrocious. Um, the level of achievement, what our kids coming out of public school can actually do academically, it's just, it's just discouraging. And um, so, you know, we've got schools who are failing with the academic piece um, in many ways, and yet they want to get into all of these other topics to, um, you know, really, truly change behaviors, attitudes, and beliefs. And that's something that I just can't get on board with. I don't like it. Um, I honestly am not sure that we can save the public school system to, to make it be um, something that I would want my children or grandchildren to be part of. And yet at the same time, I understand that the public school system isn't going to just go away. Um, and there will always be children in the public school system. So if we just abandon it, then we're abandoning those children. And those children are the future of this nation. So I think it's important that we stay engaged and we do what we can um, to help it be the best that it can be. And at the same time, I will tell you that I, um, I don't intend to ever send Grant back to public school. And so because of that, we will do what we have to do to figure out, um, you know, what our other options are. Now here in Jefferson City, honestly, we don't have options that I think uh, really would suit him best. I would love for him to have a school that he could attend that would be what maybe some would call a micro school that would be about three days a week, two or three days a week. I would probably prefer three days a week, but three days a week um, with curriculum that is, or an, an ideology or educational philosophy that is really focused on hands-on learning. Um, he he can learn. He is a good learner under the right circumstances when you um, bring information to him in the right way. 
but he really needs to be active. This um, sitting in a chair, filling out worksheets, filling in the blanks, circling the answers, uh, doing, you know, a lot of heavy lifting with spelling and vocabulary and things like that. Uh, that's just not an environment that's conducive for him to be successful. And uh, what I would love to see, and they have it in other in other places in Springfield and in St. Louis, I know. I would love to see Jefferson City in Mid-Missouri have a nature school. I would love for him to have um, a day every week to spend outdoors learning about nature, doing artwork in nature, playing and exploring and enjoying friendships outdoors. And then I'd like to see those other two days a week be something that's indoors, but project oriented. Uh, solving real world problems, um, learning how to create a small business, learning how to balance a checkbook, um, maybe, you know, experiencing just different things, gardening, woodworking, uh, working with some animals, maybe um, just there are a lot of different things, but I would I would love to see an opportunity here that would create a hands-on experience versus the traditional um, classroom experience. I do love traditional classroom work and I think classical education is a wonderful option for many, many children. Uh, but I think there are a lot of children just like Grant who fall through the cracks, who um, aren't typical learners and who do have potential to do amazing things if they're giving given the right tools. And um, so that's what's going on here at my house these last few weeks. We've brought Grant home from school and we're really trying hard to find a schedule and a routine that works for everybody that I can accomplish the things that I need to accomplish and he can accomplish something productive. And um, and we're, I'm also just uh, trying to figure out how to provide for him the thing that I do believe is ideal. And, um, you know, this homeschooling thing, one of the things about uh, the education system here in Missouri is a lot of people in the political circle, when you start talking about education, they want to start talking about school choice. This idea that, um, you know, the government's going to give families money to educate their child however they choose. And I would love for that to actually be a viable option. Um, Missouri does right now have an ESA program. I don't know that Grant would qualify, but um, if he did, we would be getting about $6,300 a year to uh, put toward his education, uh, whether it be a private school or, you know, classes or different things that we might want. Um, I have some concerns about school choice and that money. Um, and we can talk about that a different day, but um, I'm, I'm not a wholehearted supporter of school choice, even though it really would benefit me and my family, um, especially right now. It, it, would, it might be life-changing if we had an option, um, a private school option that was a good fit for Grant. Uh, but at any rate, I just wanted to share with you um, a little bit about what was going on here at home with me and why you haven't heard from me in a few weeks. 
and um, also uh, just share with you what I'm learning about um, uh, HB 447, which is statute now and that changing of the health curriculum at the high school level. Um, it is a problem, I believe, and it's those types of things continue to be the reason why I don't want Grant in public school. Um, I do have a high schooler who is in public school part-time. He's taking um, four classes at the high school, and then he is taking two classes, two college classes online at home, and he's doing math at home. He is spending a lot of time on the golf course in the afternoons, and he's also got a part-time job that he's working. So Harrison is my teenager. He's 16. He's a sophomore, and... Um, we are creating an education experience for him that I believe is uh, tailored to him and what he wants and what he needs. I don't love the idea that he's at the public school half the day, but that's what he chose to do because he wants to play on their golf team. So he is an, he's an avid golfer. He loves to golf and um, he's wanting to play on the school's golf team. So for those of you who are homeschooling, you should know that um, you know, that is an option for you. Your kiddos can homeschool and they can also participate in public school activities. Um, for Harrison, he's a high schooler, so we have to follow the MISHA rules and the policy at the local school district. And I'm thankful that the local school district policy uh, was upheld. I think Harrison's probably the first homeschool kiddo to take advantage of it at this school, but um, they did honor their board policy and they just um, chose to stay in alignment with the MISHA rules. And MISHA rules state that your homeschool kids have to do two classes at least in that public school district to be able to participate in the activities, the extracurricular activities. Harrison chose to do four uh, because he wanted to stay for lunch and hang out with his friends a little bit. So I don't love that he's there for four hours, but I am very thankful that he has the choice and the option uh, to do that and that he can still participate. So for those of you who are wondering, you know, and feeling like, gosh, I don't like public school, but I don't think I can homeschool. I just want to encourage you that it is doable. It's even doable for working families, for busy families, it's doable on a budget. If you've got, if you're nervous about your kids participating in school um, activities in the state of Missouri, you can also do that. Um, so there are really, we already have a lot of choices. Um, we just need to help empower parents to actually walk in their freedom and utilize the freedom that they already have, the choices that we already have, and um, I would love to see the church and private organizations rising up in communities and creating uh, more variety of options for families like mine and for students like Grant. So uh, that's all I have for you today. I am so thankful for you. Thanks for continuing to hang with me. Um, I am hopeful that we have a schedule worked out now that I can get back to recording on a more regular basis, recording these podcasts on a more regular basis. So um, I am prayerful and hopeful that we'll have another episode for you in just a couple of days. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope you found it beneficial and valuable. 
I'd really encourage you in the next few days to pick up your Bible and grab the practical tools you need to arise and build. Don't forget to subscribe and check out the blog at jodygrace.com. I'll see you soon.